Hello, welcome back to Black Doctors Podcast. I am Steven, your host, your friendly neighborhood anesthesiologist, critical care physician, medical ethicist. If you tuned in last week uh, expecting to see an episode, I have to apologize. It was not an episode posted last week, uh, but this week we're going to jump into jump back into the realm of clinical medical ethics. Once a month, I want to talk about an ethics-related subject and just share because it is one of my passions and one of my pastimes that I think really allows me to impact the care that other people will receive. In case you didn't hear about it earlier this year, early in 2023, about February, uh, beginning of February, there was a Massachusetts bill introduced that would let prisoners donate organs in exchange for shorter sentences. So we're going to jump into that today and explore and look at that from a couple of different perspectives and see what you think about this new proposed bill and legislature. What do you think about incarcerated people and their ability to donate organs? Before that, uh, back to last week, and I guess this week too, because it's Tuesday when I'm recording this or, or, or late Monday. So I was in on the uh, surgical ICU all last month. It was a super busy service, as you would expect from a uh, surgical ICU in the busiest trauma center in Chicago. So it just all came to a head in the last week where we had a packed unit, a lot of super critically ill patients, complicated family dynamics. People were dying. We were trying to save lives. It just got, it became a lot. And one of the things I, I stress and preach is work-life balance. And people were like, oh, well, how do you do this podcast and do this fellowship and do all this other stuff that you're involved in? And I honestly have a pretty low threshold to like bell on things that are not essential. So I love doing this podcast. I love being able to get on here and talk and interview and meet amazing, incredible people. But at the end of the day, you know, work-life balance, I need to protect my own mental status. Sometimes I just, I just need to chill out. So I came off of a super busy rotation, I think at a 24-hour call last Tuesday. And so I wasn't able to actually record or even, you know, upload an old episode so sometimes, you know, that, that, that'll happen. That's life. I broke the streak. Yeah, I'd gone a full year posting episodes every Monday, something that I was super proud of and super happy for, but that honestly only meant something to me. So I said, I like to say, um, you know, set up your life. It's your life. Build that work-life balance into it um, so that you can, I don't know, not be as burnt out as other people. So let's jump into today's episode we're talking about organ donation and specifically in the incarcerated uh, population. So this bill was introduced in Massachusetts. This bill would allow prison inmates to donate their organs or bone marrow as a way to decrease the length of their sentences. So obviously we're like, yo, is this ethical? This sounds pretty wacky. Some people, proponents of the bill, weren't uh, even concerned about the ethics. They honestly thought that this would help with healthcare disparities. A Democratic sponsor of the bill, a state representative by the name of Judith Garcia, told the Associated Press that this bill could reduce health inequities from the vicious cycle of unjust incarceration and over-policing of black and brown communities. Preposterous. Um, it's crazy you know, to think about somebody trying to contort their mind to really think that this is okay and it's an okay statement to make. They go on to say that while black and Hispanic People tend to have this higher need for organ donation due to different health conditions, 
which we can go to the drivers of those uh, healthcare disparities, those determinants of health, um, the discriminated the discriminatory incarceration rates limit the number of matches and lead to longer wait lists for black and brown people, this representative explained. Uh, thankfully, not everyone agrees with the uh, tenets put forth in the bill, and obviously it hasn't been passed. It has to go through the Senate and all the other polit- the political things that I don't really understand. But another politician or lobbyist, rather, said that this bill reads something like a dystopian novel, which I think is more accurate. Promoting organization is good. Reducing excessive prison terms is also good. But putting those two together is pretty uh, twisted. This was from uh, Kevin Ring, who is president of Families Against Mandatory Minimums. It's a D.C.-based criminal justice reform advocacy group. We already know in federal law that you cannot buy and sell organs. That's why they're sold in the black market in other developing countries, and so on and so forth. Um, reducing prison sentences in exchange for organization could be seen as the equivalent of a payment, right? If you can't buy organs, and there shouldn't be much more of a conversation about exchanging organs for decreased prison sentences. And this person, Mr. Annis, said uh, it's compensation for services, like we don't exploit prisoners enough, which I think is a common theme if you think about the folks that are locked up behind bars, it's a certain demographic by and large that's disproportionately represented compared to our population. And for good reason, we know all of those reasons already. Um, on the other side of the bill, other people say that this program is voluntary and that they would even consider just opening up the option to donate organs um, and separate that from a reduction in sentences. They say in this case, it would not be a quid pro quo they're open to setting these policies and, and not including incentives, incentivization, incentivizing these policies rather. Because, you know, they, they do make a valid point that we should respect these uh, prisoners or these uh, incarcerated people's dignity and their ability to make their own medical decisions and their ability to choose to donate their bone marrow or their organs if they so choose. Under this proposed bill, inmates or incarcerated individuals Uh, could receive a sentence reduction from as low as 60 days to up to a year after donating bone marrow or organs. And a committee would be in place to decide how much you would need to donate for how much of a sentence reduction. Yeah, it seems pretty twisted when you put it that way. So again, they didn't talk about how prisons systems would provide medical care for these uh, inmates or these incarcerated individuals after donating organs. Um, Currently, depending on the state, some uh, incarcerated individuals can donate organs, but maybe only to family members. There's different stipulations in place. They end by pointing out that almost 30% of Massachusetts residents who are awaiting organ transplants are Black or Hispanic. So if we go back, so if we look back at some of the infrastructure and, and system in place when it comes to incarcerated individuals donating organs. So some of the numbers, back in 2022, there were about 6,500 people that became living organ donors in the United States. There is about 15,000 people that donated organs posthumously, posthumously, however you say that. As early as uh, 2023, there's over 100,000 people that are awaiting organ donation so that they can have a transplant. It's even harder for racial ethnic minorities to get organs that they so critically need. A lot of people die before they can get organs uh, that they need. 
And this is something I see right in the surgical ICU, in the medical ICU, you'll see in the cardiothoracic ICU patients waiting for transplants of hearts, livers, kidneys, and then patients I take care of that have received these transplants. So typically there's altruism and generosity from these donors uh, that provide, especially the living organ transplant. And unfortunately, there's still a huge gap. The gap is being closed quite rapidly because of uh, different forms of procuring organs. So from uh, brain dead donors versus death by cardiac, um, cardiac uh, death donors as well as expanding that donor pool. But there's still a huge gap. So where can we find other organs? Thankfully, along the way, different networks, the American Medical Association, the Organ Procurement and Transplantation Network, we've all developed these different codes of ethics to kind of help guide the things that we do because this is a pretty precarious spot to, to practice in when you're taking vital resources from one person or population and giving it to somebody else. So in 1984, Congress passed the National Organ Transplant Act. This established this Organ Procurement and Transplantation Network to maintain this national database and this helped prevent or decrease the risk of organs being commoditized and bought and sold. So let's look at incarcerated individuals as organ donors. Back in 2010, Mississippi Governor Haley Barber, this is from an article uh, on the conversation.com's website, this governor suspended the life sentences of two sisters on the condition that one sister donate her kidneys to her other sister. This one sister was on dialysis and they figured they could save the state over $200,000 a year if she um, received this kidney donation. They wanted to save the money by facilitating this organ donation. Um, in 2013, in Ohio, their governor took executive action to explore the feasibility of allowing a death row inmate to donate a kidney and other organs to sick relatives before he was executed. Ultimately, the state refused this request because of the logistical and security issues with procuring the organs and the need to having some procedures done at an outside medical facility. Uh, in 2013, also, Utah became the first state to enact uh, legislation that authorized prisoners to donate organs. It permitted voluntary donation, posthumous organ donation by prisoners who die while they're behind bars, does not incentivize that donation, however. In 2016, Texas has had uh, or built a policy similar to Utah's. This allowed inmates who die in custody to arrange to donate their, do their organs after death. The Texas policy states the inmate will receive no award or compensation of any kind for their donation, including but not limited to preferred treatment or improved opportunity for parole. Right now, it's, uh, I think, South Carolina, Utah, and Texas that allow for this donation. There are also exceptions. Um, however, both states don't allow prisoners or incarcerated individuals to donate organs at all. Uh, federal prison inmates cannot make posthumous organ donations, but they can make living donations to immediate family members, donations to immediate family members, so long as they freely consent to do so. So that comes down to the question of consent. How do you uh, maintain a consent in what is otherwise known as a coercive environment, right? They're incarcerated individuals. They have been um, relieved of many of their rights that we, we have as humans. So can an inmate freely consent to organ donation? Is this a coercive environment that prevents uh, the typical informed consent from taking place? Obviously, it's very easy to consider the organ donations from the inmate or incarcerated population to be exploiting a very vulnerable population. We're very careful about the type of research that we allow to uh, involve incarcerated individuals. 
because there's such a history of ill will, wrongdoings in the uh, carceral system. Some people who believe that inmates should be allowed to donate uh, were just troubled by the initial proposal, the quid pro quo aspect of it, um, asking essentially prisoners to choose between their organs and their freedoms. Is this even legal? And obviously the bill has a long ways to go before it becomes ratified, which you know hopefully it's very far from being ratified. Legislation would ensure that when it comes to the choice of whether to donate organs, incarcerated individuals should at least have the same basic rights as every citizen that lives in Massachusetts. I think that's pretty idealistic as, um, you know, the more rights that we can restore to incarcerated individuals is, is probably the better, including the uh, beneficence to donate these incredibly uh, scarce resources. Let's switch uh, perspectives. This is from an article written by a contributor to the Hastings uh, Bioethics Forum, uh, Franklin Miller. His article is entitled, Is it Ethical to Reduce Prison Sentences in Exchange for Organ Donation? His approach is very interesting because he approaches it very rationally, kind of uh, doesn't quite account for the social and societal aspects of the prison population. I guess he kind of presents this as a all things being equal if there were no uh, racial, ethnic, socioeconomic disparities in the incarcerated population. I guess that's how you would need to look at uh, things from his perspective. So he talks again about this bill that was that's been introduced and the ramifications of this bill if it were to go through. The clear benefit would be to promote organ donation that can save lives or improve the quality of life for patients with end-stage diseases. And these are donations that probably would not otherwise occur if uh, not for these uh, uh, beneficent individuals, I, I suppose. Obviously, this policy would evoke many moral issues. Oftentimes, you know, people immediately jump to this judgment that it would be wrong to uh, in, encourage incarcerated individuals to undergo this surgical operation there is risk of death, risk of complications from the procedure, all of that for the sake of reducing their prison sentence. This, uh, you know, just gives you the the vibe that this is unethical, um, but again, doesn't address should prisoners or incarcerated individuals have the option to make a donation. That would be appropriate, and again, as I mentioned previously, depending on the state that is or may be permissible. It's not the simple option of the ability to donate or not donate, but it is the incentive for those who would choose to donate that most likely kind of makes you feel this is problematic. There's a lot of ethical concerns that can be raised. Number one, is this considered a bribe? Technically speaking, he points out that bribes involve uh, encouraging kind of a wrongful conduct. Um, you're, you're in incentivizing somebody to do something that's wrong. You're, you're bribing them to break the law, to lie for you, to commit fraud. But there's nothing inherently wrong about donating a kidney to benefit somebody in need. So you're not encouraging somebody to do a bad thing. You're offering a reward, I guess, to do a good thing. The offer of a sentence reduction may seem coercive, but he describes coercion as involving a threat of harm to induce an undesired act, such as, you know, give me your wallet because I'm holding you at gunpoint. And this is assuming we don't consider prison 
in the carceral system to be a coercive environment, which I think many of us would absolutely. Some people say this is undue inducement, but again, the inducement would be undue only if it was going to distort the rationality of the incarcerated person's judgment. This goes back to that question of as an incarcerated person, you've surrendered or you've had your some of your rights stripped away. Do you still have the right and the ability and the capacity to consent for surgical procedures? Which yes, you should absolutely um, have a you know say in what's done to your body. Then uh, you know, as an incarcerated person, do you have the judgment to rationally weigh the benefit of a sentence reduction versus the risk of the organ procurement operation? Then we know there's a whole body of literature about healthcare for incarcerated individuals. It's no surprise that. People that are incarcerated receive worse health care than people that are not. You know, people don't aren't jumping to be prison physicians or nurse practitioners or physician assistants. Um, it's just the the nature of that that system, and there's reforms that need to, be, to take place to ensure that even those folks that are incarcerated receive appropriate and adequate health care. This bill doesn't really speak to how they would go about. Um, obtaining informed consent for these people as they prepare to donate or consider donation. Some may say that this policy exploits incarcerated individuals who are very motivated to reduce the amount of time they're going to stay in prison. Um, I I do think that is obviously a a huge incentive. The proposed law this author states is meant to take advantage of the situation of individuals in prison by promoting organ donation in exchange for a reduced sentence. So the question he brings up is, what is an unfair advantage? There's a distinction between taking advantage of unfairness or someone's misfortune and taking unfair advantage of unfairness or misfortune. One is exploitation, the other is not. So folks are in an unfortunate situation. Um, There's a question of, you know, did the the punishment fit the crime? Are they actually guilty? Because those are the real-life scenarios we know, once again, the... Uh, and carceral system is filled with disproportionate numbers of underrepresented minorities in the U.S. population. And we know that black individuals are more likely to receive death penalties and other harsher sentences that's borne out in literature. We, we know that to be the case. So that's already set this subset of the population to be at risk and at a higher uh exposure to be in this position to trade their organs for time. Technically, if we do assume that everyone that's in prison was guilty of their crime and they received an appropriate punishment, then that potentially could be a fair trade-off of what is your time worth? Is it worth an organ or a bone marrow transplant? But we know that, once again, the prison system is characterized by unfairness, racial inequities in sentencing, excessively long sentences, inhumane living conditions, food, in exchange for, is it is that a fair trade to get out of this hellhole, for lack of a better word, in exchange for uh, organs? It may put some control in their hands that uh, they have the opportunity to judge whether they're better off receiving uh, less time in prison or uh, donating this organ. This author, he says, he anticipates that other people will disagree, but he reaches the tentative judgment that the proposed law is not unethical provided necessary conditions for obtaining informed consent, assuring the safety of donors are implemented. 
he says you should carefully screen candidates to assure ensure that they are healthy enough to undergo a donation process uh, without excessive risk. Make sure that the procurement operations are performed in state-of-the-art healthcare institutions with reliable track records and high-quality care, providing adequate follow-up medical care for the donors. If those kind of um, caveats were met, then he thinks you know he would kind of lean on the way on the side of this being ethical. But we know those things that he just mentioned aren't very simple fixes with the state of healthcare in the carceral system. He summarizes this by saying the case for or against the ethics of a policy that offers prison sentence reduction in exchange for organ donation would be enhanced by conducting a survey of previously incarcerated individuals to ask whether or not they judge the policy to be acceptable and, if so, for what reason. These research participants would know about the prison environment without currently being subject to it. While empirical research cannot itself resolve ethical issues, it would be informative if a majority of the respondents were opposed to or in favor of such a policy. This was written by Dr. Franklin Miller. He's a PhD. He's a professor of medical ethics and medicine at Will Cornell Medical College and is a Hastings Center fellow and board member. And that full article is available on their website. So that was food for thought because, you know, he kind of summarized a lot of the things that, you know, people would typically jump to if when you first hear organization prisoners reduced sentence. You're thinking about coercion. You're thinking about bribery, um, exploitation. And he kind of approached it from a, a very textbook perspective and broke it down with basic definitions. I think to round this out, though, what really added that additional perspective is going to the Oregon Procurement and Transplantation Network, their website, and what they say about uh, prison uh, incarcerated individuals and organ donation. So their section, The Ethics of Organ Donation from Condemned Prisoners, is taken from the OPTN website. And... They note, you know, there's a scarcity of organs for transplantation. They talk about um, other countries, China, had other countries have different rules when it comes to how much of their population is incarcerated and the links that they take to ensure that um, organs are donated uh, or harvested. You know, there's, there's just different rules. China kind of engaged in some... Uh, shady dealings in the past where they would just harvest organs for prisoners. And there's some people, you know, I think it's better now, last I, I read, but, you know, who really knows? Um, we know in developing countries, there's the black market trade for organs. I know in the Philippines, it's a, it's a huge market where you can sell your kidney for X amount of money. It's kind of an accepted practice, but I think it is still very much underground. Um, but this discussion is not restricted to developing countries. In the U.S., we have these proposals like this bill that was proposed in Massachusetts. So while one proposal suggests that prisoners should be given the option of donating organs upon their death, another suggests that condemned prisoners may be offered the option of trading a kidney or bone marrow in exchange for a commuted sentence. They say up front that it's beyond the uh, UNO's ethics committee to examine the moral and ethical issues encompassing the death penalty, but it is worth noting that death penalty in general is ethically and judicially controversial. They also note that the death penalty is rarely available 
in most industrialized Western nations, aside from the United States. They say all Western European countries, Canada, Mexico, Central and South America, with the exception of Chile, Chile have abolished the death penalty. And then recent U.S. data show an, an equitable application of the death penalty with a significant evidence for racial bias, particularly in the South. The data indicates that black people are five times more likely to be sentenced to death than white identifying people convicted of similar crimes and that the economically disadvantaged as well are more likely than the wealthy to receive the death penalty. They say any law or proposal that allows a person to trade an organ for a reduction of sentence, particularly a sentence from death to life in prison, raises numerous issues. Application of the death penalty is spasmodic and seemingly discriminatorily applied, which would suggest that these types of proposals would be coercive to particular classes of individuals, specifically speaking minorities and the poor. Would the reduction of sentence apply to the offer to donate, or would it only be honored if the act of donation actually took place? If the act of donation would exclusively qualify for the reduction of sentence, then the law or policy would discriminate against individuals found to be medically unsuitable to donate organs. They give examples such as common prison infections, uh, tuberculosis, HIV, hepatitis B, or prisoners that perhaps only have a single functioning kidney, maybe they're on dialysis already, or have diabetes. They're ineligible to donate organs. So are they now being discriminated against because they don't have the ability to donate an organ? If prisoners were allowed to trade a kidney to mitigate a death sentence, it may affect the actual uh, imposition of the death penalty. With greater publicity surrounding these types of proposals or laws, jurors could be influenced and ultimately impose the death penalty more often because there's a potential societal benefit that they're thinking about. Jurors might hope that the convicted person would choose to trade a kidney or a bone marrow for their life. This would present a gross inequity for those unable or unwilling to donate a kidney and who might otherwise have not received a death sentence. The proposals that concern organ recovery from executed prisoners unveil another host of problems. One method of execution suggested is the act of organ donation itself. From a utilitarian standpoint, this makes sense. The anesthetizing of the condemned and the recovery of the organs in the usual fashion would produce the optimum organs for transplant. When we have a death by brain dead patients, we go to the operating room, the heart continues to beat, we provide an anesthetic, we provide medication as anesthesiologists, and uh, surgeons come in to procure the different organs, and everything stays perfused, the heart continues to pump blood, and they usually take the heart kind of last, and they'll cross-clamp the aorta, which is a large blood vessel, and it, it there's no more blood going to the heart, and then they uh, uh, procure the heart very quickly. And it minimizes the ischemic time or the time that uh, the organs are without oxygen. So they're saying that, hey, if push comes to shove, you can harvest these organs. And then that could also be the cause of death for these um, incarcerated individuals that are sentenced to the death penalty. However, this would make the cross-clamping of the aorta and the cardiactomy, removal of the heart, and then the disconnection of the ventilator, this would create an unacceptable situation for the organ recovery team. Uh, most medical organizations, the American Medical Association included, prevent physicians, healthcare worker phys- physicians, and then depending on the organization, most healthcare workers are not allowed to participate in capital punishment on ethical dra- grounds. So that would put that medical team directly in opposition to those guidelines. Issues of informed consent of the potential donors as well as recipients need to be addressed. 
Obviously, a person condemned to death cannot consider organ or bone marrow do- donation as a coercion-free option. The other gentleman in his article thought it was less coercive, but if you're faced with a choice between life in prison or death, then that's quite a coercive um, uh, decision that you're making. You're being coerced, essentially. Even a death row inmate should have the option of refusing an invasive surgical procedure, although unlikely given the alternative. Also, a person to be executed or their next of kin or surrogate should be able to make an informed decision regarding any donation options, including informed refusal if they so choose without repercussions, which would be death if you're on death row. Ultimately, the potential organ or bone marrow recipient should be informed that the source of the donation was a condemned prisoner while maintaining that person's confidentiality. Individuals that don't believe in the death penalty or capital punishment might object to accepting an organ from an executed prisoner or someone that was trading part of that, their body for life, essentially. The long stream or the uh, long-term downstream effect, rather, of this policy and law could actually lead to a decrease in organ donation overall. The number of potential organs recovered from condemned prisoners would likely be incredibly small, but the associated stigma would likely lead to decreases in the rate of donation especially within minority groups who are already being taken advantage of in the prison system. Any notion that particular groups of people were receiving increased numbers of death sentences to provide organs for the rest of society would clearly make it difficult to obtain consent for altruistic donation from these groups. In conclusion, the UNOS Ethics Committee has raised a small number of the many issues regarding organ donation from condemned prisoners, this committee opposes any strategy or proposed statute regarding organization from condemned prisoners until all of the potential ethical concerns have been satisfactorily addressed. So again, this came from the uh, UNO's website, which is an organization uh, involved in procuring organs and facilitating the uh, transplantation process and, and organ donation process. So straight from the source, and I think this altogether gives you enough information to make your own decision. How do you feel about the concept of reduced sentences for incarcerated individuals that decide to donate an organ or bone marrow or some portion of their body to someone else? Should uh, those that are incarcerated have the autonomy to make these medical decisions if they just wanted to donate? Should they have that option? Should they get something in exchange for it? Should they be able to donate to anybody or just family members? What are your thoughts? Um, feel free to leave a comment or a review. You can, uh, I'll try to post clips of this on social media as a uh, fellowship permits, and you can comment there as well. But thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. We are here because representation matters. The goal of these uh, ethics focused episodes is to improve the quality of care that we're able to provide to our patients and to help us all become better, better rounded, uh, more culturally competent clinicians. Tune in next week. Um, I think we got quite a few guests lined up. It's a uh, woman's history month, the month of March. So uh, a couple of pretty inspiring guests and back to the interview format. If life gets tough, I have a couple more months left in fellowship. You may hear some, um, 
throwback episodes. I'll try to keep it coming pretty regularly. Thank you so much for tuning into Black Doctors Podcast. Once again, we're here because representation matters.